guys this is bernice thank you so much for tuning into devoted with bernice um so today's episode it's something i wanted to talk about um being somebody who is prophetic you know so as a somebody who's prophetic god is always talking god is always talking he can talk through anyone as long as you're willing your heart is open He's there to talk to you. And one thing that I, I, you know, God has been talking to me since early June was about abortion. Now, many people who really know me know I don't watch TV. I don't. I don't watch TV not because I don't want to, because I don't want false burdens. If you are very prophetic, you, when you watch something, you discern, you, you feel, you, you see, you, you get a lot of revelations and one thing that I did was I gave up TV to get closer to God, not knowing that I would really not want to watch TV. I mean, I watch movies, but I watch like pure flicks movies, like Christian movies. I don't really watch like uh, reality TV. So I don't even know what's happening. I know in the past when I did watch TV, I loved CSI. I was like, oh, I know that person, you know, killed them you know, get him, it's, it's him or it's her, you know, I love that investigational thing, um, I think the last time I was, I was watching TV was like five years ago, and, you know, many of you probably like, oh my gosh, you've not watched TV in five years, it feels like, it feels like it's been longer than that, and honestly, it doesn't feel like it's a, like a chore, or like, oh my gosh, I want to watch TV, like, the desire is not in me, you know? And so that should let you know that's a God thing. So maybe in your season now, God might be saying to give up something. Because when I gave up watching TV, that is when I began to see in the spirit. I was seeing, but I was not seeing when I was awake. And so my seer dimension became much better, much broader, that I would never trade TV for what I've been able, God has been able to impart upon me because of my obedience to the nudging of the Holy Spirit to take um, TV out of my life. And God give you grace to be able to do that. If you feel like, especially like if you're fasting, you know, for like, three days without food or four days or five days without food and you feel like the grace has lifted you know on day three that means that God is trying to let you know that you know whatever you're fasting about has been answered or sometimes he's trying to like cause you to like push harder and and get to the finish line 
but you have to be able to discern and flow with him, right? And so, like I said, everyone can prophesy because God, you know, people say, oh, God has stopped talking. No, he's never stopped talking. He's still talking. You know, people always say, oh, God's word is the final. And he's not he, like, it, it's fine. God's word is final. It is final. But he's always giving revelation of his word. You can dissect his word in so many ways at the age of 20. You saw his word a different way. The same, page, the same passage was like different to you. At the age of 40, it's like a whole total rhema word, total different revelation. Because his word is endless. And it takes your, your, your closeness with God to be able to get the revelation of his word. And so he's not, he hasn't stopped talking because the Bible says that, you know, Amos, in Amos, it says that God does nothing unless he he first reveals it to his, his he first reveals his secrets to his servants the prophets it didn't say his servants the pastors or his servants the apostles or his servants the teachers or his servants the the the, the, the church attendees or you know no it said his servants the prophets and we know that not everybody is prophet is a prophet but we all are prophetic Meaning that we all can have the spirit of prophecy on us. Um, you know, remember when the the people saw Saul among the prophets, like, is that Saul among the prophets? Because the spirit of prophecy can come upon anyone if you're around prophetic people. Okay. And so we know that God still speaks. He does speak to his prophets. And sometimes he will speak and sometimes he will be quiet. Majority of the time, he will speak, and during the time that he's quiet, it means that you have not obeyed the, the, the instruction that he gave you, or he's trying to cultivate you deeper in the realm of the spirit to be, um, to be at a point where you grow in your word, or you grow in prayer, or you grow in worship, or in fasting. And so there's something that he's trying to grow in you, okay? Like he told Elijah, you are not the only prophet left. I have many of them left. So if you can talk through a donkey, if you can talk through, you know, even Jonah, who was like rebellious, he can still talk through any of you. As long as you're willing with your heart open. Because the Bible says that, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. You will see the manifestations of God. You will see the secrets of God. God want to share his, his secrets with you. And so let's talk about secrets. God loves to share his secrets with his prophets. There are things God has shared with me that I can never mention to anybody. Because if I did, I would be in trouble with God, literally. Um, things about people who you probably know in, on platforms. He leads prophets and and even pastors and teachers and people in the five-foot ministry to pray for people who are in ministry, in government. And he will show you things about those people. And he trusts you not to go and blub it to everybody. Oh, this, this pastor, this and that. No. He will show you. If you want to know what a true, who a true prophet is in your house, you ask them the things that God has showed them about you if you're the leader 
and you you can tell hey you don't tell me they will they know things about you that God has shown them privately to pray for you about but God knows that they are honorable and integral people that they're not going to reveal it to shame you or to to let you know that hey I know this because they know that their fear of God is important and also they don't want to lose that anointing or they don't want God to not talk to them and so many prophets are able to steward the secrets of God so today I'm talking about what God was sharing with me before the abortion laws and you know legal rights and all of that was overturned God showed me that he was going to do something concerning abortion. I remember the week of first uh I'll say June 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. That week God was talking to me. I was after worship and after prayer, I was sitting there in my cella and I was just sitting there waiting. And I got a vision. God God showed me two visions. One of it I cannot share because he's not told me to share that. But one of it I'm going to share it. He showed me two visions. He showed me a vision of uh pictures of my friends. I'm not going to say their name because I've not asked them permission to do that. But he showed me two pictures of my friends who 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 I met in college. Well, I met I met him in college and he he got married. That's a whole story. I'm like, "Oh Lord, please send him a godly woman." And God finally sent him a godly woman. So, he's married now. Thank God. And um so when he got married, he and his wife um had a passion. He literally left his job, felt led to go and talk about the end of abortion. Like he literally had like a like a signboard that he wore that says keep your baby or like something about do not abort your baby. And he would go in front of like uh he and him and his wife will go in front of um abortion clinics and literally try and stop women from aborting their babies. And so, you know, I I couldn't go there and support, but I supported through money, through giving money to help this, you know, ministry go on. And God was bringing and this was like in 2016, 17, 15, 14 during that time. And God kept bringing that to me. I was like, "Wait. Why am I seeing a vision of, you know, my friends when they were out there, you know, um ministering and when they were out there trying to stop women from killing their babies? Why am I seeing that?" And then God led me to Judges 13. Judges 13 talks about Samson, the birth of Samson. We know that Samson his birth was very I'd say peculiar because his mother was barren and she was praying for a child. And an angel of the Lord came and told his mother, "You're going to have a child, you know, make sure that you don't drink this and all of the things that was told her." And you always see that when angels come to um give promises of childbirth to women they have instructions right even with Hannah you know the angel gave instructions about 
uh, Samuel. And so we see here in Judges 13. He says, Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. Okay? And no razor shall come upon his head. You shall conceive and bear a son. You know, um, and then it goes on and on. And the angel talks to um, Samson's mom. And then Samson's, Samson's mom goes and tells her husband. So uh, Judges 13, 6. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of of the angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from. And he did not tell me his name. And so um, he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and all of that, that, you know, um, the angel told, told uh, Samson's mom. Then Samson's dad prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened. And the angel of God came to the woman again. And I'm paraphrasing because God highlighted, you know, when you read the Bible, when God led me to the birth of Samson, he's like, you know, read about Samson's birth. And that was June 4th. And what God highlighted to me was the father praying to God for instructions in how to um, teach. Basically, he, he wanted instructions how he wanted the angel to come again and teach them what they should do for the child who will be born. And this is the word of God in this season for those that are thinking that abortion is right. In the eyes of God, abortion is wrong. Okay, many of you might not agree with me, but I will tell you this. God was talking to me about this. And then I asked the Lord, Lord, why are you showing me these images of my friends outside when they were ministering to people? They saved a lot of babies' lives. Okay. And not just that, but they extended salvation to these women that came to try and kill their babies. They prayed the salvation prayer with them. They helped them find churches. Okay, they led them to Christ. And so God was telling me, Bernice, all that they did and all the support for, uh, for, for, for stopping abortion back then was not in vain. None of it was in vain. He saw all of that. And so I was like, Lord, okay. And then he showed me the other vision. And I was like, okay. So when the abortion overturn happened, honestly, like I said, I don't watch the news. I don't really watch what's happening. Only when God leads me. And I know some of you be like, well, that's not how you should live. As, a, you know, as somebody, as a citizen of USA, I'm very strategic in what I take in because one thing I've realized is that many people are watching the news and the fear is coming in. Many people are watching everything and then they can't sleep at night. They, they, 
they are doing things out of flesh, out of, you know, fear, out of uh, uncomfortability, out of all these things. And I don't want that in my life. So most of the time I tell people, be, um, be intentional in what you do take in. Okay. So God was talking to me about that. And I was like, okay, Lord, you are going to do something really huge in abortion and you know all i posted was judges 13 um about when the father prayed the verse on uh judges 13 8 that's what i posted on facebook i could not share that god is gonna overturn abortion i could not share all of that because there's a time and a season to release words. And also even to pray. For before you, you, you release a word, you have to pray about that word. You have to cultivate that word in prayer. And so I want to let you know that before the overturning of abortion, God was already talking about overturning abortion. This is the will of God. And so maybe you might be somebody who goes to a church and your pastor is talking about how or your teacher or your, you know, your leader or your parents or even maybe your husband. Okay. Or maybe if you're a man, your wife, somebody in your life is against the fact that abortion has been overturned. And the word of the Lord to you is to pray for them so that they can see the revelation of God. Many of them are like Judges 13, 8, they need to pray to seek the Lord and say, oh, Lord, oh, my Lord, please let the man of God, which was basically an angel whom you sent to come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Many people are pissed. God showed me a vision of people. Actually, it was three visions. Yeah, it was, I now I remember it was three visions. The, the other vision he showed me was people, like, standing, rallying out there, angry at each other, screaming at each other, you know, angry toward each other. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be a rally of people out there angry about abortion. I saw that. I saw people in the streets rallying against abortion, rallying against um, they had like abortion signs, but I didn't see like the details on the, on the signs that they had. I had the, the vision of my friend and I, I had the vision of people angry in the streets concerning abortion. And I was like, okay. And this was, you know, June, the first week of June. And then I had the other third uh, vision that I'm not going to share because that's between me and God. And that's something that he's told me not to share. So when he tells me to share, I will share it. But I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, Lord, this was going to happen. So I knew something was going to happen already. And so when it, when it was overturned, I was not surprised. And I kept posting Judges 13.8 so that people would get the revelation. That, that if you are somebody that's pregnant with the child... God does want you to pray to him and ask him, teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. 
you got to ask the Lord first about the child. Because he, children come from God. Okay? They come from God. So if he gave it to you, he knows how to take care of it. And so today my message is this. What if you were aborted? I'm going to play. I'm going to share talks of people, people who, who gave short talks of, of almost being aborted. There was actually a woman who had saline, her mother had saline injection in her belly to kill her. But thanks be to God, she did not die, but she had, you know, complication because of that saline injection that was trying to kill her. And so today I want to, I want to play people who survived abortion and people who were almost aborted who are like a congresswoman or, or, or you know doing great things in life so before i do that i'm going to share these things what if you were aborted i want to ask you that what if you were aborted you would not be here you would not be the pastor of you know of this church however big or small it is you would, what if your wife or your husband was aborted? And I know many people who are in ministry, God put people together, put husband and wife together for the purpose of ministry or, you know, purpose of a plan or a, a promise that God wants to establish on the earth. What if your spouse was in there? You would not be able to do what you're doing. What if your spouse was aborted? Many of you would be like, oh, well, I'll find, you know, you find somebody else. Well, what if you never did and you're just you? Life would be boring. Life would be really boring, right? What if your, your hero was aborted? Whoever is your hero right now? What if President Obama was aborted? What if Harriet Tubman was aborted? What if your best friend was aborted? What if your sibling was aborted? What if your spouse or your children were aborted? What if Mother Teresa was aborted? What if Oprah was aborted? What if your favorite movie star was aborted? What if the person next to you in church was aborted? What if the person that helped save your life was aborted? What if the person that created um, air conditioning was aborted or TV or even podcast, you know, apps was aborted? What if the person that created Facebook was aborted? Do you get the picture? What if Jesus was aborted? Because we know, (laughs) we know, you know, the king was after him, right? We know. He, they, they were looking. They killed all of the babies, all the boys. Why? Because he was after him. And I say he because the enemy was using the king. It wasn't the king. It was the devil that was trying to kill Jesus at his infancy. So even Moses... He escaped abortion. 
he escaped being being killed and he was led through the very lake the very you know river or sea i don't know what it was but it was some type of body of water that he he was rescued on and he parted the water that he was rescued on not the exact water but i'm i'm saying that he parted some other type of water to help rescue other people do you see the correlation god does not waste anything yes he could have brought another moses along but he was showing us something here if jesus was aborted or was killed we would not have salvation and so some people in the world are not in favor of overturning of the um abortion some pastors some leaders some people in government are not in favor of it so my my plea to you is that whoever is not in favor don't judge them pray for them yes it might be shocking to hear that your pastor is in favor of killing babies and i know some some people some people are saying that because um what if somebody's raped you know what if somebody having a baby could kill them if you do your research out of all the people that come to come to the um um the parenthood clinic i forgot what it's called plan parenthood or something like that day the people that are raped are 1% of all of the people that come and get their babies aborted majority of them were in consent to have sex and i truly believe that if god doesn't want you to be pregnant through rape he would not let it happen and i will speak for myself he would not let it happen you will not get pregnant because he knows that you cannot bear that heavy weight one thing i'll say if god does bring a baby through um rape he has a plan for that baby and maybe you might not want to keep the baby because it always reminds you and i understand trust me i do you don't ever want to be reminded of the time that you were molested or raped or took advantage of by anybody you don't ever want to remember that and actually your brain goes through a a, a part where you literally forget what happened because it, it your brain goes through that part to it's called uh traumatic dementia okay your brain goes through that for a season to protect you from going crazy and that's a that's a, a very intellectual way that the brain works sometimes and so you will forget it for a season and that's why when you go through um counseling or therapy or deliverance or healing and you go deep into your memories it opens up 
and you remember details, like really vivid details, smells, touch, and everything. Because your brain does that. And so God will not put that on you unless he really have a purpose for that child. That child could be the one to bring laws to, you know, destroy rape or do something extraordinary in the world. And one person, and I'm not saying this person came through rape. No, she did not come through rape. Well, I don't know. Many people come through different ways. You, you will hear people's um, testimonies. I'm going to play the, those testimonies after I finish talking. And these testimonies I found on YouTube. And I want you to listen from the perspective of somebody who could have been aborted. Okay? Because this um, way of people not seeing what God is trying to do, um, it's really something that the enemy is trying to poke his head into. Okay? If you're not getting a revelation... You need to pray and ask God. Go on a fast and ask God, is this you or not? And trust me, he will tell you. If you want clarity, God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. If you want clarity, he says, seek me. If you need wisdom, ask me and I'll give it to you. Go and ask him. He will give it to you. We know, for example, one person I know who is an amazing preacher. Amazing. Heather Lindsay. She talks about her... um, her life and how she was almost aborted but now look at her she's a go hard for jesus she she helps women find self-esteem she does conferences for young women older women like she's doing a lot for the kingdom of god what if she was actually aborted think about that the person that you, you love to listen to. What if they were aborted? And so you got to pray for those that are not in favor of, of, of overturning of abortion. Before the overturning of um, you know, abortion, God was talking to me about it, like I said. And many of these women that my friends stopped from get an abortion, gave their life to God, gave their baby a chance to live. Some of them gave their baby up for adoption. And there are many people. See, there's a two-part to this Judges 13.8. There's two parts to it. These are people who were praying for a child. She was barren. And finally, God gave her a child. So there are people out there that will want to adopt your child. And there are people out there that would say, God, you've given us this child. Now teach us how to cultivate this child, how to train this child. God did not say kill this baby in, in I don't know, anywhere in the Bible where God said kill the baby. Unless, the only part I remember is when, the, when Pharaoh did not want to let God's people go. Now, God's wrath 
is dangerous. You don't ever want to get into God's wrath. That is when he did not, he killed all, you know, the children in Egypt because they were being disobedient. He, want, he had to go to that land to save the Israelites. So yes, there are times where we see in the word of God, God killed the children. But it was for a bigger purpose. A bigger purpose. Okay? And like I was saying, like, if God wants you not to have a child, he knows how to do that. He does. He knows how to bring a child. You know, there, there are times where kids have been born. And they have been stillborn. And that's bad. That, that's, that's, that is not comfortable. Nobody want to have a stillborn. Sometimes you don't know why you had a stillborn. There are times where women will have children and like a year later they die. I, I know one of my friends from college who had a child and, you know, her child died. A year later, and she was really pissed at God. She was so pissed at God. She literally cursed God on Facebook. And she was going through emotions. And, you know, I, I would say God understood her. Because God himself had to give up his son. Okay, so he understands um, the feelings that somebody will have. But there are reasons why God would allow that to happen. Naturally, though, not by human opportunity or by human desire. If you don't want a child, God knows you don't want a child. And so he will not give you a child or you might not be ready for it. Like many people who struggle to have kids at a certain age, like Abraham and Sarah, they give birth at an old age. Why? Because God knew that if he gave you a child at this certain age, you would be distracted with the child and you would not do the purpose that he has for you. And many people at that time, they'd be like, oh my gosh, God is being mean. You know, he doesn't want to give you a child, blah, blah, blah. But he knows exactly when you need a child and he knows exactly when you don't need a child. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord does, the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophet. The Bible says in Exodus 20, 13, that thou shalt not murder. And it also says in Matthew 19, 14, Bring the little children to me, for they are those who the kingdom of heaven belongs to. God is the one that gives people children. Because children is a gift from the Lord. Now, there are ways people do get children through the devil. It's possible. But those people sell their soul and sell their children's soul for, for, for that. And I'm not even going to go there. Uh, Psalms 127.3 says, Lo, children are an inheritance of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. If you don't know what to do with your baby, pray and ask God. He will instruct you on what to do, just as he did with Samson's parent. I understand that somebody who may, you know, 
not really know what to do with, you know, nobody ever knows what to do with kids. Even those that have had one, two, three children, they're still learning. It's a learning process because each child is different. God can speak and it will be. And he can speak and it will not be. If he doesn't want you to to have a child, he's not going to do that. He's not going to let that happen. But if he gives you a child, because there is something on that child's life that he wants to bless you with and bless the world with. He knows how, God knows how to remove things from the earth through natural causes, natural means. Many people don't know this. I'm going to say this part. This is the spiritual part of this whole overturning. We know in the word of God, it says that we do not fight against flesh and blood, right? We fight against principalities in heavenly places. We fight against spirits, demons, principalities in heavenly places. Like I said, there are different stages in the realm of the spirit concerning, concerning the heavens. We know, we know that God is in the holy of, holy of holies, which is the third heavens. The second heavens is where Satan and his demons and angels are warring. Like how Daniel prayed, was fasting and praying. And the angel of the Lord was sent on the first day, but he was detained because he was fighting the prince of Persia. The prince of Persia was the type of principality that he was fighting. So we know that there are principalities. And this abortion principality is Molech. That's the, that's the name of that principality. And I'm not going to go into the study of Moloch because I don't want to give attention to the enemy. Because we do fight against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the darkness of this age, this age right now, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This age was the age that we had to fight against the principality of Moloch. If you want to go study what, who Moloch is, it's M-O-L-E-C-H. You can go and study it. But I'm not going to go into it. But that was a, 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 a principality that it was a, a, a god that people would sacrifice babies to. That's how it got fed, through sacrificial of babies. And so when that overturning happened, the principality of Moloch doesn't have dominion anymore. Okay? That's why when, when pastors go into a city to plant churches, they pray and fast and ask God, what is the principality in this city? What is the struggle in this city? What is the um, powers of darkness in the city? Because they want to do something to overturn that power of darkness. If it's prostitution, they will do some outreach for women. Okay. If it's um, 
a crime. They will do some, you know, um, job internships or um, Bible studies for men and women. They will do something. They will visit prisons, you know, because they are tr- they're trying to bring light into the darkness. Okay. If it's, if it's um, I don't know, like um, something that, that could be, oh yeah, if it's poverty, they'll try and start like outreach, you know, they'll have like a food pantry, you know, to help feed people. They have like job opportunities, you know, network people for jobs and, and teach them about resumes and career and stewarding money and all of that because they want to overtake, over, over, overturn that darkness, that power, that principality in that, in that city. So if you're able to, as a church, if you're able to bring the light and shine the light in the city, you will put a stop to that spirit. Yes, you are doing something in the realm of the spirit, but faith without works is dead. You are praying, you are you know, interceding, but you also have to put some work in place in reality to see that spirit overturn. And so many intercessors were praying for this spirit to be overturned. My friends back in, the 20, in 2014, 15, 16, they were praying. They were going out there in the heat, sweating to help overturn this. And God said that all that they did, even those that gave like myself, all the things that they, that they did was not in vain because it all were put together for this moment to happen. So my urge to you is to pray for the, the people, the leaders in government who helped put this law in place, put this, who helped overturn abortion because many of them are getting threats and, and people are angry and all of that. You got to pray for them. Pray for them because their lives are at stake here because they have done something to overcome the enemy. And whenever you do something to overcome the enemy, the enemy will, will, will want to you know, back, bring some type of chaos. And that's why God showed me the vision of people outside, like screaming at each other about abortion. I saw abortion signs and I was like, whoa, people are really going to go out there and, and do that? This was June 4th. I saw those visions and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I was looking on the, you know, I was looking to see when this was going to happen. And now it's happening. So pray for those that are out there. Doing all those things. This is, a, this is a season when the enemy wants to utilize people who are vulnerable. Okay. Remember that you're not fighting against flesh and blood. When you meet these people who are. Who have a different point of view. A different way of seeing things. Even maybe your pastor. Or your, your leader. You know. Or your, or your boss. Might not like the overturning of abortion. You got to pray for them. Know that they might not see the whole picture. Just pray that the scales will fall off their eyes. Pray that they will get the revelation. Okay? When God was showing me all of that, the, the, the abortion was not overturned yet. But I knew what he was saying. And what God says is right. If, even if you don't agree or not. There are many things God has have said to me or I've seen God do and I don't have a say because God's word is finite. God's word is final. Okay? Even my in my own life there, you know, things God have told me to do and I'm like, oh my God. 
Like, can I just have it easy for me? Like, can I just not, like, can I just do this instead? But no, God's word is final in my life. And so what he does nationally is final. And like I shared last year, or <laughs> the year before COVID happened, I'll, I'll say the month before COVID happened, December, early December, I saw the visions of COVID. I shared it in my old, older uh, podcast. I woke up from these dreams and I was like, I was literally crying and sobbing on the floor because I knew what was going to happen. I, was, I, didn't, I, I had no words for like literally a good, I would say like a good um, three hours. I had no words. I couldn't even pray in tongues because I was so emotional with all that I saw. And, don't, and <laughs> even with all that I saw, I only saw a part of it. God did not show me that it was going to be in USA until I prayed about it. He only showed me it was going to be in China. And I, I saw China and Japan. And I was like, okay, Lord. And I was sobbing. And it happened. And then he showed me that it was something that happened in the laboratory. I didn't understand the laboratory part. I was like, why am I seeing laboratory? Why am I seeing this happening in the laboratory? Until it was said that, you know, it could have come from the laboratory. And, and God led me back to that, that dream. And I was like, oh, my God. It was in the laboratory. This COVID came from a laboratory. Don't let anybody fool you. I saw it in my dreams. All of those things God was showing me, honestly, COVID is not from God, but he's using it for his good. He's using it to do something great. God always uses. So when I say this, I mean that if you're somebody who has aborted your child, know that God is going to use your story He's going to turn it for your good. He knows God is such a mastermind, a intelligent God. Like I tell you, God is so intelligent. He's clever. I always call him clever. I'm like, God, you are so clever. When he gives me revelation, when he gives me like ideas, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it. You are so clever, God. I call him clever because he knows how to use something bad. And turn it into good. He knows how to, 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 to use things that are almost out of its salvation to turn it into salvation. He knows how to twist things from evil to good. He knows how to change it. He knows how to shift it. He knows how to turn it. He knows, he knows how to do that because he's God. He's clever. So if you've had abortion, repent, ask God to forgive you, and tell him to help you turn it into good. You might be the one to minister to somebody about how to take care of their children. Excuse me. How to take care of their children. So I'm going to play this song. The, the next thing you're going to hear will be the um 
testimonies of women and men who were almost aborted. Even a woman, I'm going to play one up for a woman who was who survived rape and chose for her, her son to live. I'm also going to play uh, a testimony of a congresswoman. Her name is Kate Kem, Ma, Kem Mark. Uh, she's a um, Republican. She, in Florida, she's the House of Rep. In Florida, uh, she was almost aborted. I'm gonna play abortion survivor who shares her story. Um, and I'm gonna play a woman who actually aborted her child, and how she dealt with guilt and shame, and so. I, I I did not say anything, you know, on here about abortion until God led me to. I already posted on Facebook about it. Um, but I, I want to, I, every time I come here, I want to be led by God. So this is a time for you to hear this. This is something God showed me. And I did not talk to you guys about it in June because God did not tell me to talk about it. But now I'm sharing it. Sometimes God does not let you talk about it because sometimes if you prematurely release it, the enemy, <laughs> this, this is part of a warfare tactic that you have to remember. If the enemy doesn't know what you're up to, he cannot destroy it. He, you know, God is not scared of the enemy. God can do what he wants to do, however he wants to do it. But we all know that sometimes... God does not want you to announce something prematurely. He wants you to wait and pray about it. One thing about warfare, unnecessary warfare, is that people talk too much. That's why there's unnecessary warfare. And so you have to know when to flow with the Holy Spirit and what to say and what not to say. And so I'm going to play this song, He Knows My Name, by Tasha Cobbs. And afterwards, I'm going to um, share these stories of people who've dealt with abortion stories. me. 
decided to go to Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in the world, and they counseled her to have a late-term saline abortion, which is a saline sol solution that is injected into the mother's womb. Baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out, and then she is to deliver a dead baby within 24 hours. And to everyone's great shock and surprise, uh, I didn't arrive dead but alive on April the 6th, 1977, in a Los Angeles County abortion clinic. What's fantastic about this, about the perfect timing of my arrival, is that the abortionist was not on duty yet. 
So he wasn't even given the opportunity to continue on with his plan for my life, which was death. But I didn't survive so I could make everyone comfortable. I survived so I could stir things up a bit. And I have a great time doing it. And so I was delivered alive, as I've already said, after 18 hours. I should be blind, I should be burned, I should be dead. And yet I'm not. You know what is fantastic vindication is the fact that the abortionist had to sign my birth certificate. <laughs> so I know who he is. And it also says, for any skeptic listening on my medical records, born during saline abortion. Ha! They didn't win. I've done some research on the man that performed the abortion on me. And his clinics are the largest chain of clinics in the United States of America, and they gross 70 million dollars a year. I read him say, I read a quote from him at some point uh, several years ago, and he said, I have aborted over a million babies and I consider it my passion. I tell you these things because listen, ladies and gentlemen, we are in an interesting battle whether we realize it or not, in this world. It is a battle between life and death. What side are you on? So a nurse called an ambulance and had me transferred to a hospital, which is absolutely miraculous. Generally, the practice at the time, and up until 2002, was, in, in my country, was to end the life of an abortion survivor by strangulation, suffocation, leaving the baby there to die, or throwing the baby away. But in, on August the 5th, 2002, my extraordinary President Bush signed into law the Born Alive Infants Protection Act to prevent that from occurring anymore. You see, We're playing for, for keeps. We're playing for, I mean, I'm hoping to be hated by the time that I die so that I can feel God about me and understand what it was to be hated. And not that I look forward to being hated, but I know along my journey, I know I'm already hated because I declare life. I say, you didn't get me. The silent holocaust didn't win over me. And my mission, ladies and gentlemen, many, uh, among many things is this. To infuse humanity into a debate that we have just compartmentalized and set on a shelf and said it is an issue. We have removed our emotions. We are becoming harder. Do you really want that? 
How much are you willing to take and how much are you willing to risk to, to speak the truth in love and graciousness and stand up and at least be willing to be hated? Or at the end of the day, is it all about you? Or me? And so, after that I was placed in an emergency foster care home where they decided they didn't like me very well and as I'm fond of saying, I don't know how you could not adore me right from the start. What is wrong with these people? But they didn't. You see, I've been hated since conception. by so many, and loved by so many more, but most especially by God. I'm his girl. You don't mess with God's girl. I got a sign on my forehead that says, you better be nice to me because my father runs the world. <laughs> so after I was placed in the mean home, I was taken out of the mean home and placed into another home, a beautiful home, Penny's home, and she, she said by this time I was 17 months old, 32 pounds of dead weight, and diagnosed with what I consider to be the gift of cerebral palsy, which was caused directly by the lack of oxygen to my brain while I was trying to survive. Now I am just compelled to say this. If abortion is merely about women's rights, ladies and gentlemen, then what were mine? There was not a radical feminist standing up and yelling about how my rights were being violated that day. In fact, my life was being snuffed out in the name of women's rights. And ladies and gentlemen, I would not have cerebral palsy. Had I not survived all of this? So when I hear the appalling, disgusting argument that we should have abortions because the child just might be disabled, oh, the horror that fills my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things that you will only be able to learn by the weakest among and when you snuff them out, you are the one that loses. The Lord looks after them, but you are the one that will suffer forever. But for just a brief moment, I would like to speak directly to the men in this room and do something that is never done. Men, you are made for greatness. You are made to stand up and be men. You are made to defend women and children, not stand by and turn your head when you know murder is occurring and do nothing about it. You are not made to use women and leave us alone. You are made to be kind and great and gracious and strong and stand for something. Because men, listen to me. I am too tired to do your job. Women, you are not made for abuse. You are not made to sit and 
and not know your worth and your value. You are made to be fought for forever. So now is your moment. What sort of people are you going to be? I trust incredible. I trust men you will, you will rise to the occasion. To the politicians listening, particularly to the men, I would say this, you are made for greatness, set your politics aside. You are made to defend what is right and good. This fiery young girl will stand here and say, now's your moment. All right, so that was by a woman who was aborted with sailing. She talked about her life, and then um, it did not work out because God had a different plan, and God intervened for her. So now she's able to speak against abortion. This is from Live Action. Uh, you can go and Google it or YouTube it, and you can learn more about it. I don't really know everything that Live Action stand for. I only saw this um, this video, and it was a very powerful word that she, she gave. And she talked about the part that I love about it so much. She's like, I am God's girl, and you don't mess with God's girl. I love that, that she gave glory to God. So I don't really know what Live Action is, but I saw her her testimony, and it really blessed me. So now we're going to listen to um, a, a woman who survived rape and she decided to keep her son and give her, her son a chance to live. So let's listen to that. One of the most common and difficult questions facing pro-lifers today is this. What about allowing abortion in cases of rape? For this week's pro-life focus, our next guest will speak for herself answering that question. My name is Jennifer Christie. Up until four and a half years ago, sign language interpreter Jennifer Christie was a wife and mother of four. But Christie's life underwent a radical change one January winter. I'm here tonight to represent the 32,000 women a year who become pregnant after rape and the 75% of us who give our children life. As she testifies and shares publicly today, Jennifer Christie is a survivor of and mother from rape. As hard as it is to talk about, can you share with us what happened? Take us back to January of 2014. Okay. Um, so I've shared this a lot and it, it has not gotten easier. Um, so, okay. Jennifer tells us she was staying at a hotel alone while traveling for work. On the last day of her two week trip, her job let out early because of snowfall. She went back to her hotel. I walked up to my room and uh, didn't know that I was being followed. I couldn't hear anything. It was very windy and I had my scarf up and all that. And I got my door open and I dropped everything on the floor and turned around to close my door. And there was a man in my doorway. I thought uh, with the weather, I thought maybe his car broke down or maybe he needed um, to use my phone or something. And all this kind of went through my mind in like a second. And then he kind of gave me a strange smile and punched me in the head. Jennifer tried to fight as the man proceeded to assault and rape her. She eventually passed out. Jennifer then awoke to a woman's scream when she discovered she was wearing only a scrap of clothing and laying outside in a stairwell near the dumpster. But I remember trying to move and realizing that I was very 
hurt. And I tried to pick myself up and I looked at my hands and there was blood on them and my nails were all cracked and broken and I just remembered fighting. Jennifer was taken to the hospital and treated for fractured ribs, broken fingers, a brain bleed, and severe internal damage. She's since undergone multiple surgeries. As a few weeks passed and her body began to heal, Jennifer and her husband decided she'd move forward with work to keep herself preoccupied. She left for a business trip on a cruise when she got very sick. One of the head doctors came in to me and she said, you know, we're going to need to give you an IV. Is there any chance you could be pregnant? Christy immediately thought no. Her husband had a vasectomy. And then I stopped and I thought, and for the first time out loud, I said, um, I was raped. And it's just an ugly, ugly word. And I just had this feeling in my stomach. And I said, you know, you, you might want to test me. The pregnancy test was positive. So the cruise ship made an emergency stop in Colombia for an ultrasound. On that screen, I, I saw this tiny little pee. And this was the darkest time in my life. You know, and I, um, for the first time since the assault, Looking at that little dot on the screen, I just felt something come alive in me again. And I felt hope and joy and light. And I remember thinking, okay, I, I couldn't protect myself. You know, I fought and I tried, but there was nothing I could do, but I could protect that baby. And it was my baby. And when you told your husband, how did he respond to the news? I called him and I said, are you sitting down? I'm pregnant. And there was just a second of silence. And he said, okay. I said, okay, what? Okay. Like, what is, <laughs> I need, I need more from you. Okay. Expand. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, sweetheart, he said, this is a gift. He said, this is, this is something beautiful. It's from something so painful, terrible for us. He said, we love babies. And I said, yeah. Yeah, we love babies. And he said, we can do this. With a supportive husband by her side, Jennifer welcomed a son into the world. Now, her very youngest, as she calls him, is an integral part of the family. He is just this bright spot. He's just joy and, and laughter and, and silliness as, as, you know, he's three now, so which they happen to be. But even when he was a baby, he was just nothing but, you know, big dimpled smiles and all kinds of all kinds of joy, and the kids just adore him. I asked Jennifer, a devout Christian, how her faith in God has held up throughout the journey these past four years. When I tell my story, people who are are not believers will say, "Well, where was your where was your God when that happened? You know, and where was where was your God then?" And I think my God was all over that. My God was all over my story. My my God was in the fact that. I was being dragged away from the scene and would probably be killed and, you know, someone stepped in and interrupted me being dragged away and my life was spared. My God, it was in the fact that I was left in the snow which controlled the swelling in my brain and I'm still here. My God, it was in the fact that I have this child who people would consider, you know, something horrific, but it's been such a joy and kept me going, gave me a reason to want to press on. Jennifer, we hear often, even from people who identify as pro-life, this excuse for abortions in the cases of rape, people who make this exception, saying 
it's not fair for the mother. It would, this child would be a reminder of the trauma of rape. But Jennifer, what's been your experience? <sighs> not that at all. I, I feel like a broken record saying my son is healing, but I can't imagine getting through the last few years without him, without having his light and his life to look forward to. I've never looked at him and seen anything but but him. <laughs> what we're going to be able to tell our son one day is that we would, none of us, would be the people that we are today without you. And that's, you know, that's what God did for us. Again, I want to thank Jennifer Christie for the great courage she showed in sharing her story with us. That was a beautiful story of a woman that was raped um, and she was married and out of the rape, she had a child, a son, and she decided to keep it. And she kept the son because she saw and her husband literally told her, this is like a gift. Many people would not think that way, but sometimes when you are in a situation, you don't really know how you're going to feel or how you're going to think until you are in it. And she chose to see it as a gift. That doesn't mean that her journey wasn't easy. One thing that she talked about was the fact that people asked her, where was your God when you were getting raped? He was right there. Her God helped her to escape. Her God God helped her to be able to endure and every day look at this baby and love on this baby. And that is the example of God's love for us. She's living how to love something that could be unlovable, but she's found a way to love her child that came out of a very unpleasant circumstance. And if anything... This could teach other people about how God loves. And so right now I want you to listen to a former um, abortion physician who literally stopped doing abortion and changed to actually saved, save lives instead of abort babies. So let's, let's look at that. Leaders today are converts to the cause, and this next conversion story is remarkable. Meet a former abortionist who went from ending lives to working to save them in this week's Pro Life Focus. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. From teaching lawmakers on Capitol Hill to students in college lecture halls, twelve-week baby is the width of your hand head to rump, not counting the legs. Medical doctor Anthony Levitino teaches others about the reality of abortion. He teaches from firsthand experience. Right along with, in my residency, learning how to do deliveries and hysterectomies and all the stuff that obstetrician gynecologists do, I learned to do abortions. Levitino is a former abortionist who, by his own estimate, committed over 1,200 abortions. Now, if you had asked me at the time what I thought about the abortion issue, I wouldn't have hesitated to tell you I was pro-choice. This was a decision between a woman, her doctor, and nobody, including the baby's father, had anything to say about it. Meanwhile, Levitino was hoping to become a father himself. 
While doing abortions at his medical practice, at home, he and his wife struggled with infertility. She went to the best infertility expert in town, and after a lot of tests and some very difficult times, we were basically told that it was not expected that we would be able to have a child of our own. Longing for life is what led Levitino to first doubt his work as an abortionist. You know, I would do two, three, four abortions in a morning when it was my turn. And I remember during that time thinking, gosh, I'm just throwing these kids in the garbage. Wouldn't one of these women allow us to take her baby home and care for, for our own? But of course, it doesn't work that way. The Levitinos would eventually welcome a child after choosing adoption. We were very blessed when in August of 1978 we were able to adopt a little girl that we named Heather. The next month, the Levitinos conceived a biological child of their own, a son. They were now parents, twice blessed. But tragedy would soon rock the family's world. Everything was just dandy until June 23, 1984, when our daughter Heather was killed out in front of our house in an auto, an auto accident. Uh, people who have children might think they have some idea what it's like to lose a child, but if they haven't been through this themselves, they have no idea, and I hope they never find out. Carrying the pain that comes with losing a child, Levitino could no longer look at his work with the same eyes. But what do you do after a disaster? You bury your child and try to get back into your life. I don't know how long after that my first D&E abortion was scheduled, and I re reached in with this heavy clamp called a sofa clamp and tore out an arm or a leg and just stared at it in the clamp, and I got sick. But when you start an abortion, you can't stop. You have to keep inventory. You have to make sure you get two arms, two legs, and all the pieces, because if you don't, your patient's going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. So I finished that abortion. And I know it sounds strange to people, but for the first time in my life, I looked. I really looked at that pile of body parts on the side of the table. And I didn't see her wonderful right to choose, and I didn't see what a great doctor I was taking care of her problem, and I didn't even see the $800 cash I just made in 15 minutes. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter. He calls that moment the beginning of the end. It's what led him to walk away from abortions and today share his unique conversion story with others. He's helping to share other pro-life conversion stories as well, playing the role of an abortionist in the movie Unplanned. It is not preachy. It is the story of Abby Johnson, and it's told accurately. And I will tell you from having been on the set and then watching the final product, what you see on the screen is extremely medically accurate. They got it right. You can also see Levitino in videos produced by the pro-life group Live Action. He narrated their abortion procedure series to educate people about the reality of abortion. Millions and millions have viewed them. Today I'm going to describe a second trimester surgical abortion called dilatation and evacuation, or D&E. So while it's his experience as a former abortionist that gets people to listen, it's his role as father that compels Levitino to share his story with us in the first place. I suppose the, th the one thing I can offer that's a little unique is the same thing any doctor could offer. I can, I can talk about abortion from a personal standpoint. The stories I tell are firsthand and true. Um, and I think that that, that gives it a level of credibility that's difficult to get otherwise. And I think that's the biggest role I can play.
that was such a beautiful transformational story by this physician, um, an OBGYN that after having a child and seeing, you know, having a child through adoption and seeing the child die, that was his wake-up call to literally stop doing abortions. Um, And then his wife and him, they had their own baby. See, God uses a lot of things that are unpleasant to bring good. And I think that though their child, their adopted daughter died, and her name was Heather, though she died, God used it to save other children's lives by this father, who is also an OBGYN, to decide he's not going to kill babies anymore through abortion. So Heather's life was not in vain. Heather's life being taken away at a young age was not in vain because her life saved other children's lives. So now I want us to listen to um, a woman who who aborted her child and uh, how she dealt with shame and guilt. Hi, I'm June. So at that time, I was dating this guy from school. So the relationship was pretty stable and I just felt like that's the guy that I wanted to marry. That gave me excuses to do things that weren't very pleasing to God. The wake-up call came one day when I I missed my period. We decided to, to do a test and that's when we found out that I was pregnant. For the first time, I saw there was a lot of fear in his eyes. When he suggested abortion, then um, we just decided to go ahead with that. After I woke up, I just felt like, wow, okay, the problem is gone. You know, life can go back to normal now. Deep down, I knew that I had killed my child. Like I had taken away my child. and and. And the pain and the hurt and everything just start to set in. Like, you know, I, I didn't expect this abortion to wreck my life the way it did. All along, I wanted to be a good mom. And for the first time in my life, I, I just felt like I'm the worst sinner on earth. You know, having taken away my child when it was, he was weak and defenseless and I was supposed to be the one protecting him when he's in my womb because of the guilt that he was feeling, he just started to distance himself away from me. The depression actually got really bad after we broke up. I just found myself in this dark pit that I could not get out of, and I came to a point of conviction that only God could help me. And that was the turning point. Immediately after that, I texted a friend and asked her to pray for me. I felt like I was ready to seek healing. That's when Rachel's Vineyard came to mind. And it was during Rachel's Vineyard, there was this deep cry inside me. Like I was always asking God, where's my child? And suddenly I just saw this vision. Jesus was there. He, he was carrying my child this way. And my child was laughing in his arms, like he's wriggling in his arms. And like Jesus was just smiling at me and his eyes was just so full of love. So when I saw that he was happy and, and, and 
is with Jesus, I felt I could let him go. When I felt the Lord say to me, go use your unborn child's life to propel the gospel forward. So I left my job and all I knew was I wanted to do something about abortion. And so I went on a journey to New Zealand. First time I, I, I heard about Buttons, Buttons was started in New Zealand by Marina and Peter. They also had an abortion and, and they started Buttons, collecting Buttons from people around them that they know um, had abortion before. Marina showed these jars of Buttons that she received over the years. Um, it was over 20,000 Buttons. I was just overwhelmed. And I was just thinking to myself, where are all these women? You know, and where are all these men? Like, where are all these people who are crying out there, who are suffering in silence? For the first time, I just felt like, hey, I'm not alone anymore. That's when I was really, really convicted that buttons need to be in Singapore. So Buttons Project, um, it provides a very safe platform for people um, to send in a button. It can be a physical button or they can take a photo of a button to represent the baby that they have never met. In a way, it's like a memorial kind of thing. So all this will be put on the website. And of course, we also have a support group in place. While it's not meant to be a substitute to professional counselling, all of us have been through um, abortion experience. And I think we just want to journey together with them. If you have been through an abortion, or if you know of anyone who have been through abortion and you're affected by it, uh, and if you think that sending in a button would help you know, in your healing journey, uh, please feel free to send in a button. With or without messages, it's fine as well. Yeah, so we would love to receive your buttons. That is such a beautiful story um, from Jane about how she seeked the Lord in seeking forgiveness and healing. One thing that she said was that she had a vision uh, that where she saw Jesus with her child. And when you really go before God, if you're somebody who aborted a child and you have a hard time forgiving yourself, God has a way of giving you peace in that, or even in, any, in anything. He has a way of giving you peace. And that was her way that God spoke to her to give her peace. And the same vision that she's talking about, I remember Taylor Madhu, who is uh, the wife and also co-pastor of Social Dallas, of Pastor Robert Madhu. Taylor Madhu was, Pastor Taylor Madhu was talking about, actually she's, she's, she's like an apostle. I think she has an apostolic um, grace on her and also prophetic. But anyway, Pastor Taylor Madhu was talking about her, uh, if you go to YouTube, you'll find it, about her journey of forgiveness, self-forgiveness, healing after she, uh, she um, her child died. And she kept asking God, like, where is her child? Is her child okay? Um, and she said that she, she had a vision. She saw Jesus with her child. The same type of vision that this woman is talking about, she also had. So God has a way of giving you peace. And I remember in her testimony, she talked about how she had peace after that. She finally got that 
okay, she can breathe, she can forgive herself, she can let it go and really move forward. Um, and so if you're somebody that had abortion from whatever circumstance that you had, know that if you if you repent before God, he will forgive you and he will give you peace. This woman had a mission. God gave her a mission to go and spread the gospel about how life is important to God. God used what she went through to minister to other people. And now they have a, um, a, ministry, a ministry called, um, I believe it's called uh, bottonsproject.org.sg. And that's for to reach out to other women who are also healing. So now I want us to listen to Pastor Tony Evans. I love Pastor Tony Evans. I've visited his um his church before. He I took a picture with him. He um he signed my Bible. He signed it. When you go to his church, he can sign your Bible. Listen, y'all, I've been listening to this man of God since I was in high school. Him and um uh Joyce Myers and Dr. Stanley. I love their preaching. I love the old, I'm not calling, I'll say not old, I'll say seasoned, yeah, <laughs> seasoned pastors and teachers. They stick to the word of God. They don't let culture sway them, you know, they don't go along with what people are doing. They seek the Lord. I love Pastor Evans preaching. I When I went to his church, um, when I visited his church, he talked about the prophetic calendar. And I did not know he was going to talk about the prophetic calendar. And I got to meet like people from the church who are really like well-known. Y'all, it was such a blessing. Um, if you ever are in, you know, in the state uh, where his church is, you should definitely go and, you know... Um, visit. And I say in a state where his church is, is because uh, I don't know how many churches he has. He could have a lot of different ones in different states. In, in different states. So wherever state you are and you find his church, go and go there and just visit. It was such a blessed service. The anointing of God was there. I was, I was praising God in tongues. Like, listen. And so I want you to listen to his his state, his statement, his uh, revelation on what abortion is and the overturning abortion, basically what his view or what he got from God concerning this overturning of abortion, and I believe that it's important that we celebrate life from beginning to end, wholeheartedly. So let's let let's listen to Pastor. Dr. Tony Evans' um, view on what the overturning of abortion is all about. Well, these are uh, very interesting times, and um, with the, the court decision uh, the other day, there's a lot of consternation in the culture, and I've been bombarded with questions and calls and um, requests for a statement. So if you've been on our church website, you've probably read the statement I made, but I thought 
I would take my pastoral uh, prayer time and read the statement that is online. If you want to look up the scriptures that I reference in the statement uh, to kind of give bibliocentric perspective to the events that we're facing today and how we should look at them from a Christian point of view, which should be our point of view as representatives of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. So I'll read the statement uh, and uh, you can, again, as I said, look it up on your own on our website. It says a statement by Dr. Tony Evans. I join with the countless voices heard today, as well as those yet to be heard someday. Those who will now have the opportunity to do so through the gift of life in giving God the glory for his sovereign hand in this historical decision by our Supreme Court. Christians everywhere ought to humbly celebrate this decision to overturn the 1973 ruling of Roe v. Wade. This decision removes the federal constitutional right to an abortion and returns abortion laws to the states some of which plan to restrict or ban abortion altogether. In addition to the saving of countless lives of our collective humanity, this decision also positions us more fully to intercede on behalf of God's mercy on our nation in order to reverse the crime epidemic. This is so because scripture states that when innocent blood is shed, we can expect more innocent blood in the society to be shed through violence and oppression. Psalm 106, verses 36 to 42, and Joel 3:19. Thus, a decrease in the number of abortions can lead to a decrease in violent crime. At the heart of the abortion debate stands the Imago Dei, the image of God. Attacking the unborn is tantamount to attacking God since all of life is created in his image. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, including the life developing in the womb. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. While celebrating and giving God praise for this movement in this monumental space and time, we must also not lose sight of the fact that the Imago Dei, image of God, equally applies to protecting the dignity of people once they are born. James 3 verse 9, Psalm 8 verses 4 and 5. Therefore, anything that demeans the value of people's lives must be addressed with the same fervor and passion that has been given to preserving the life of the unborn. All forms of the denial of justice and human dignity, whether racism, classism, or degradation of any kind, must be viewed and addressed in terms of and with respect to the image of God. It is time for God's people to lead the way in promoting a whole life agenda from womb to tomb as we simultaneously proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and the gift of, the forg- of forgiveness he offers to all who come to him for it. While doing so, we may never forget to show compassion to those who have experienced abortion, as well as kindness to those who believe differently than we do on the same issue or any other issue. Lastly, men, 
My statement to you remains as it has always been. You are to live responsible lives in your actions and decisions. Men should be held personally and financially accountable for the children they help to produce. Whether planned or unplanned. But most importantly, women should never have to bear the challenges of an unplanned pregnancy on their own. We as the body of Christ should come alongside those in need through our spiritual and tangible support. So, So we want to, as a church, take our stand for life, but all of life. Uh, in the womb, to the tomb. And that is, it's right to exist and it's dignity once it does exist. And we know there are outlier situations, women who are forced into situations through rape and incest that must be addressed in a unique way. Uh, the life of the mother, we recognize these are are unique situations, but in terms of the normal process of things, uh, the, what happens with the unborn can affect how God relates to those who are born. So, continuing holding fast to the Word of God, which should be the basis of our decision, not the culture of the community and society in which we live, uh, should define us as a people. All right, so this ends the whole... Um message about abortion and what God thinks about the overturning of abortion. He's really, I, I'm just in awe of the great things that God is doing in this season. Though things might look crazy out there, know that God is working. He's a masterpiece worker. He knows how to, he's clever. He's so clever. Um, again, sorry for all of these sounds in the background. The enemy is a liar. And this message was going to be produced and published. <laughs> so amen to that, Jesus. So I'm just going to pray us out um, and then play this song. Father, we just thank you for your love and your peace and your kindness and your, your joy and your, your, your direction and your wisdom over us. I just thank you that you care more about our lives than sometimes we do. You care more about our future than sometimes we do. You care more about others than sometimes we do. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this message, this stories, this testimonies, these healings, and these um, salvations, and these realizations that you've given to your people who've experienced abortion. I just pray that many people who are not in the same revelation that you have given to many of us will eventually get there. Some of them are influenced by the culture or their own principles. But God, I just pray that you minister to them, that they will get the revelation, they will get the Rhema word, they will get the Judges 13.8 word, God, that you are the one that gives wisdom, that teaches us what we have to do. And so I just pray over every family, every parent, every woman, every man that 
has agreed to birth a child, to bring a child into the world. I just pray, Judges 13, 8 over them, that they would get wisdom, that they would get revelation, that they would get understanding, they would get every emotion and everything that they need in every stage of the child's life, that they will be able to be the best parent that they can be for this child that you've given them. Because children are a heritage, and the fruit of the womb is from you, Lord. And Father, I just lift up those that um, struggle with forgiving themselves because they went along with abortion. For whatever reason, your word says that, Lord, um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that when we confess our sins one to another, that we can be healed. And so, God, I just pray right now, many of them are secretly um, hurting. Some of them are hurting by themselves. So God, I just pray that just as you help Jane, who gave her story about how she encountered Jesus in a vision, I just pray the Lord, you will send a, a, a ministering angels because your angels are in the ministering spirits. They will bring peace. Some of them, God, you're telling me right now, uh, some of them have been using drugs and alcohol to 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 mend their their pain and 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 their hurt i just pray for deliverance upon them right now in the name of jesus that they will be set free god send your healing angels your deliverance angels let this message be the deliverance that they need to forgive themselves you are forgiven confess your sins to god and he will forgive you he knew you were going to do it. He knew you were going to go through with it. And he wants to use it to reach other people's lives. So ask God what you should do. Tell your story so that the next woman will not go through with abortion. Because we all know that there might be people out there that will secretly do it still. But Father, I pray you intervene and you put a stop to them. I thank you for this moment that you've given us to help salvage lives of children into this world. And I pray, the Lord, those that, that, that cannot take care of their kids, that want to go through adoption, I just pray, the Lord, they will find the right people that will love on their children, God, that will help them to be able to take care of their kids. And I pray for men, men in this season, men, Father, you, you impregnated Adam with a vision to be the man to name, name the animals and the plants and all of that. You gave him instructions. You gave him a mandate to be the one to, to work and, and, and tilt the ground and be the man. You made us women out of the rib of Adam. And so I pray that men will go back into that state of being the headship, state of being one that takes responsibility. So God, I pray for those that are in a position of 
not taking care of your kids. I just ask you for conviction to step up upon them. That they will start to re be reminded of their own lives, Lord. Some of them did not have fathers, so they don't know how to be a father. So I pray that, Lord, you will merge them with other men of God that will be able to stand in the gap and teach them how to love, teach them how to, to, to be a father, teach them how to be there, teach them how to care for their kids. And those that don't have jobs, as as fathers i just pray the lord you open up the windows of heaven and you pour down blessings of job opportunities for them that they will be able to to, to provide because you are a father god you are jaira our father jehovah jaira and you provide for us so i know that you understand what it, it means for a man to want to provide for their kids without having the resources that they need to provide for their kids and so god i just pray for unity in marriages in parental homes and marriages with kids i just pray the lord you will bless these parents god help them to be one in in mind one in heart one in unity so that they can be able to raise these kings and queens and and presidents and leaders and future entrepreneurs and doctors and nurses and pastors and 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 and, and great engineers and 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 tv hosts and 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 anchor men and women and and chefs and and teachers and all that they're there to do as children in the future so god i pray for the parents who are like hannah god who are like samson's parents that are having a hard time having kids father i pray for the woman that has been coming at your feet and praying and crying and say oh lord would you bless me would you would you bless me god would you just give me a child I pray right now that, Lord, you will touch that woman's belly. I pray. You are the one that gives children, Jehovah. You are children come from you you give kids as gifts lord so just as you gave samson just as you gave um samuel to her to to, to his parents just, just as you gave samson to his parents lord uh, just as you gave isaac lord oh god i pray you intervene god and bless these ones Search your hearts, God, and look at their faith, Father, and bless them. That they will come back and give you glory, and they will say, you did it. Do it for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And as I was praying, God was reminding me of Hagar. So, God, I just pray for those that are in Hagar position. Those that have, uh, have a child in their belly, and, you know, it wasn't really their initial... Um, decision to have that child in their belly they had to go along with it those that were raped and those that were molested incest and all of that i just pray the lord you will just as you allow angels to intervene and encounter those that are in the wilderness god you did it for jacob you did it father for hagar so i pray let and uh, yes lord you even did it for the israelites god you had angels encountered and, and helped them on your journey so i pray the lord just as we are in this season of angelic encounters i ask you the lord you will send your angels to minister to these ones that have found themselves in a peculiar 
uh, predicaments, Lord, as, as Hagar's, Lord. They don't know what to do. They are in the wilderness. They don't want to go back. But Father, I pray for intervention. I pray for an encounter that only you can give you you can give and you can give and you can give to them and you can receive the glory for Lord. And so bless your womb, Father. Give them reassurance of what it is that you're doing in this season. And so I bless your holy name for these people and these children. That yes, indeed, God, you do want to see your workmanship, as it says in Ephesians, to be, ex- to be ex- inexistent. Because each and every one of us, you have predestined a, a type of work. We are your workmanship. You've predestined. Pre, predestined what we are to do. All we have to do is just obey and, and let you lead our lives. No life should be cut short. No life should be uh, cut. No life should be destroyed before they, get, they have an opportunity to live. And Father, as you're bringing to my, my mind right now, you're telling me to pray for those that have lost children. God, I just pray for those that have lost children through certain things that they never thought they could see their child go in that way. Oh God, even those that lost children from, from stillbirth, from 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 addictions, from 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 accidents. Lord, I just pray that you touched your heart. Only in you, God, know the burden and the and the the, the, the guilt that comes with losing a child, the things that they, they, they should have done or, or the things that they, they wish they did. God, I just pray right now that, Lord, you will touch their heart. Receive the fire of God in your heart. He is purifying your heart. He is refining your heart right now. In the name of Jesus. He's refining your mind. He said he knows how you feel. He had to watch his son beaten, died on the cross. And he's in heaven with his father. We know that. And so are your kids. They're in heaven with the Lord. So they're in a good place. And if you think that they did not give their lives to God and they're in hell, you can stand in the gap and lead somebody to salvation and help somebody else's child to live a better life. Stop feeling guilty, the Lord is saying. Stop looking back at what you could have done and what you didn't do and all of that. It doesn't change anything. But what it can change is how you move forward with it. Ask the Lord what to do with it because if you keep if you keep being reminded of it, then that means that there's something you're supposed to do. There's an organization you're supposed to start. There's something, a book you're supposed to write. Oh God, oh yes, Lord. The Lord is telling me right now that some of you, you need to write a book because that book is your deliverance. That book is your deliverance, the Lord is saying. That book is your way, your way of healing. That book is going to not only free you, but going to free other people as well. So I pray right now an impartation of the scribing, the scribing anointing upon you. If you know, you, you, you will know if you're supposed to write a book. It, it, it's on you right now. You just lifted up your hands and you just shouted. You just laughed 
after you just cried when I said that, you know you're supposed to write a book. Write it. Start the blog. Write the book. Do the video. Start the organization. Be the change that the world is waiting for. Let God use you. And so we seal these prayers with the blood of Jesus. And Father, I pray for those that are, that are in the Supreme Court, in the Senate, in the states, that help pass this law. That help overturn abortion. I just pray for your hedge of protection to be over them. I pray that, Lord, you will cover them from every snare of the enemy. Hmm. That a thousand will, a thousand will fall at their left-hand side and 10,000 will fall at their right-hand side. But the enemy will not be able to come near them. Only with their eyes will they see the reward of the wicked. I pray the Lord you will cover them. Cover them from every snare of the enemy. I pray the Lord you will send them angels to minister to them and to cover them and to protect them. I pray a wall of fire over them. I pray I pray peace over their minds, contentment in their hearts, God. Reassure them. Give them confirmation again. Some of them are like Gideon right now. They made the decision. They said yes to overturning abortion. But for some reason, the things that are happening around them, that the chaos, the fear is causing them to act like a Gideon. And so I pray the Lord, those that are acting, acting like Gideon, God, should I have done this? I pray the Lord, you will give them reassurance again. Visit, visit them again, Jesus. Give them the, the reassurance that they need, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray for those that are out there uh, protesting and doing riots, God, about abortion. I just ask you, I pray, Father, that you will send angels, Lord. This is a season of angelic intervention. And so, Father, I ask the Lord, you will send angels to these streets, Lord, to bring uh, conviction, God, and to bring peace in the atmosphere, into these streets, into the people. Let the spirit of peace fall upon them. Oh, yes, let the spirit of unity, Father, and brotherly love fall in the street. Uh, that anyone that come on that street, God, to go and protest uh, uh, concerning abortion, Father, that instead of yelling at each other like the vision that I saw, that there will be at a place of hugging each other and saying, yes, we, we disagree, but look, we are daughters and sons of God. Yes, we disagree, but Eventually, we will come to agreement. Oh, God, I pray that they will be able to listen to each other instead of scream at each other. I pray for a new heart, God. Remove the stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. I pray for intervention. I pray for your gu your guardian, your gathering. I pray for a gathering of people that will step in and pray, God, and intercede and bring unity in the streets. I come against and I cancel every death, every accidental death, every shootings. Oh, God. Every mass shootings that might try and take place in these riots and these protesting. I come against every stabbing. In the name of Jesus, every gun violence, any type of violence that will try to come through this. I pray, God, that you will send your, your hand and your voice. Some of them need thunder. <laughs> Some of them need wind. You to speak through the wind. You, you to speak through the fire. Some of them need you to speak through 
the still small voice. However you speak, speak to them, Jesus. Speak to them, Holy Spirit. Speak to them, Lord. And I pray for those that are not in favor of, of the overturning of abortion. God, you work, you work in people. You work through people. You work through them in their own way, in your own way. And so I just pray that, Lord, in the coming days, that they will get the Rhema word. They will come to the aha moment. They will come to that understanding. Give them that revelation. Remove the skills from their, eye, from their eyes. Remove the, 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 the blocks in their ears. Remove the muzzle from their mouth, God. Give them a heart to understand why you allowed this to happen. Help them to search through the word of God. Let revelation pour upon them like rain. Oh God, let your light shine upon them as they read your word about life, about the importance of life and children. So we thank you for the children that are in the earth right now. And I pray blessings upon each and every child in the earth. Babies, unborn babies in your mother's womb. Children. That yes, indeed, these are the ones whose angels are before you. The Lord, you will protect them. You will cover them. These Samuel prophets, these Samuel anointed ones, these, these Davids, Lord, these Esthers and and Jacob's and Joseph's, Lord, I just pray your grace, your mercy, your love, your peace, your contentment over them. I don't know why God is leading me to pray about this, but Father, I pray concerning those children that are being molested and come against the spirit of molestation and rape. I ask you, the Lord, let them be rescued this week. Let the molester be found out. Let the rapist be found out, Lord. Hmm. Let these children be snatched out of the hands of the enemy. Oh God, I pray for their heart. Oh, Jesus, I pray for their minds. I pray for their hearts. I pray for the times where they lay in bed and cry. Because they don't know who to tell. And they're told not to tell anybody. God, I know how that feels. So, Father, I pray for them right now. That you will send them ministering angels, Holy Spirit. Minister to them. Give them peace. Help them to speak up. Let them voice their words. I come against the muzzle that has been placed over their eyes and their mouth and their ears. I speak boldness over them right now that they will tell somebody in their family, in their friends, even their teacher, right now, this week, let these kids have boldness. Give them that Joshua boldness. You are with them. Help them to speak up. Now, this week, let them be rescued this week, Lord. In the name of Jesus. And I pray for those that have had rape, those that have been raped. I just pray for peace over them. I pray, the Lord, they will find the right therapist and the right deliverance minister, the right teacher the right resources to help them god 
This journey is a long journey, but you know how to minister to them and to help them to overcome what they have been unjustly put under. And those that have kids through, through this rape, incest, however it came through, give them strength, give them generosity. I see the word generosity. Give them generosity in your heart and love. And I pray, lastly, for those who gave up their kids in abortion and those who gave up, gave up their kids in ab, ab, uh, adoption. Yeah, adoption. And they want to reunite with their children. Father, I just pray that you make it happen according to your will and your word and your timing as well. I just pray for love in the room, peace in the room. There will be cries, but I pray for joys, joy, 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 and forgiveness in the room, Lord. Forgiveness, acceptance in the room. Forgiveness, Lord. And those that have gone through ancestral rape. Father, minister to them. Help them heal. Those that have been raped by their own fathers, their uncles, their family members. Help them heal, Lord. Help them heal. Bring people in their lives that will help them heal. Help them to forgive themselves. Help them to forgive the person that raped them. And help the person that raped them to seek to make things better. To say to the person that they should be forgiven. That they're sorry. Because some of these rape victims need to hear from their rapist that they're sorry. That is what some of them need to be free. And so I pray, let conviction fall upon those that have raped people, that they will come to themselves and ask for forgiveness and live a better life, not going on and raping other people or molesting other people, but getting the help that they need the deliverance that they need to drive out this spirit of rape, this spirit of pedophilia, out of them. And most importantly, I just pray, the Lord, you minister to those that have been raped through incest. That they will speak up and they will find healing. And if they need to separate themselves from those that have raped them, give them direction, Lord. Help them to meet their future spouse. Help the women to meet their future husband. Help the men to meet, meet their future wives so that they can live a great life and restore their sex identity. Restore how they see sex because sex is a beautiful thing in marriage. Those that are rapists, minister to them, Lord. Help them get help. And help them to know how to go on and 
seek to see those that they have raped feel better and heal. And if you need to separate them, do that, God. How, whatever you want to do, Father, let it be done. And so I pray and I seal this prayers in the blood of Jesus. We do pray. Amen. Yes. Yeah. 
how it caused great hurt and isolation. But did you realize what was inside of you? Mary, did you know? I know they put you away and casted you away. They didn't understand, but Mary, did you know? Did you know what the greatness was inside of you? Now I ask myself, Chandler, do I know? <laughs> do you know what's inside of you? Do you know what's inside of you? Do you know what's inside of you? It may hurt, it may be painful, but greatness is inside of you. It is, it is, it is, it is, it is. Just hold on, don't let go, don't give up. Don't let go, 
so today ends our whole session today that we've had about abortion. I hope that you were blessed. I hope that you were convicted if you needed to be. I hope that you feel you felt healing. I hope that you felt contentment. I hope that you felt loved. You felt peace. Whatever it is that you were in need of, I hope that you felt that from the Lord. God loves you. Each of each and every one of us is important to him. Each and every one of us. So, you have a lovely day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Listen to this song and talk to you all next week. If you think that this is going to bless somebody, please share it. There's somebody out there that needs to be encouraged. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining Devoted with Bernice today. All right, so you guys should also keep in mind the Snickers, not the shoe, but the um, the candy, that industry. Just pray for them as the Holy Spirit leads you. Um, I forgot to add that part to this episode because I saw a vision of Snickers bar, like the the candy bar. I just saw the wrapper in my vision. And so I'm praying. So I just want you guys to pray as well. And let the Holy Spirit lead you and give you revelation. So that's all I'm going to say. All right. Good night.
says principles of separation. I want to remind you that God can always turn a curse into a blessing. Nehemiah 13 says, On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God, because they had not met, met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the Lord that they separated all the mixed multitudes from Israel. I want to bless someone with this verse, this uh, message, that God can always turn a curse into a blessing. Yes. 
And um, one last thing. Also, there's going to be a lot of um, drug busted, like cartels and drug dealers, uh, shipments being being found out by police. Um, police are going to find that. I had a dream where I was like, I saw a TV and on the TV was a news broadcast of lots of drugs that were busted from drug dealers and it was like a press news and um they were all sitting at a, a table and the drugs were like in the middle um and they were basically showing it on tv about how drugs have been found um and god is gonna do gonna allow these drugs to be found all over usa california texas mexico utah idaho idaho um new york like virginia you're going to a lot of different places uh, not not carolina um you're going to colorado you're going to hear about these drugs being busted and that's a good thing because it's a good thing because we want to keep drugs out of the street you know um and this is a season that we're entering in that a lot of police are going to find these drugs and you know our prayer should be god protect the police on duty you know protect them from getting into a you know uh, a shootout that there are angels that will be uh sent to protect them um and i i've been praying that god will convict these drug dealers before they step out and you know ship these drugs and do all these things that they're doing that before they they, they go out there the God will convict them, that there will be such a, a conviction upon them to stop what they're doing. And that will be God's chance that he's given to them to stop. Because um, when I saw that on the news, I was like, oh my gosh, that is a lot. Like, um, I don't play with my dream realm. So I know that something is going to happen concerning drugs being busted, dr- drugs being found, uh, on shipment to you know other states and regions and cities and all of that, and so pray and pray for those that are addicted to drugs that God will deliver them. You know, uh, let's pray for that. And so that's a good a good dream that I had that these drug epidemic is going to be something that police is going to have control over again. Um, and then I had a dream about celebrities that was found out that he was using drugs um uh, i saw him in my dream i googled him and i found you know he was laying down with a, a woman and that was the picture that was taken of him to post online now this has not happened yet so let's pray uh for for celebrities that are addicted to drugs that uh, this celebrity is a very well-known movie star that um i'm not gonna reveal his name because um i just i i don't feel led to do that and so let's just pray for people in media who are around these things and who are easily can be can be easily swayed uh i feel you know when i saw the picture it was a picture that was taken that he was not aware of so the people around him he was not supposed to trust them but anyway sometimes god allows exposure to help somebody 
realize that their path that you're taking is not good. And so let's just pray for celebrities that are in uh, media that are uh, struggling. Some of them are, are addicted to drugs and we don't even know it. Some of them are and we do know it. However, let's pray for them because, um, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to uh, Devoted today with me. I hope that you have a great rest of your day.